In my last video, I discussed the, the many possible reasons why there seems to be a rash of of deaths, sudden deaths in bodybuilders that are fairly young in, in recent times. Uh, the deaths have ranged from people in their 20s to up to 50, 60 years of age. But as I said in that video, when somebody dies, a uh, man or a woman, when they die in their mid-20s, it's almost never a natural death. In other words, there's always something that killed them. Usually it's related to a cardiovascular catastrophe, such as a heart attack or stroke. Uh, in this video, I want to talk about possible ways to avoid that type of ending uh, what you can do. Uh, a lot of this, a lot of what I'm discussing in this video probably pertains more to bodybuilders that use performance enhancing drugs or PEDs like anabolic steroids, growth hormone and insulin. Uh, it's not that they use these drugs, it's that they use them in massive amounts. I mean, uh, you look at the bodybuilders uh, when I competed in the 70s, uh, the, the uh, steroid regimes used back then by people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and others uh, were considered like baby stuff compared to what the guys use today. I mean, uh, that's why people like Arnold Schwarzenegger are still alive. Uh, if Arnold and, and, and his contemporary bodybuilders in the 70s had used or duplicated the drug regimes that are common with today's professional bodybuilders, I'd venture to say that most of these uh, 70s bodybuilders would be dead. They would not be alive by now. It would have uh, caused so much damage, they would have died years ago. Now, so that doesn't say much for today's uh, bodybuilders. I pointed out in that last video how a medical study a couple of years ago measured what they call the calcium score, which is the amount of uh, calcium that accumulates in the arteries. It's a harbinger for future heart attacks and strokes. They studied 14 elite professional bodybuilders of the 14 bodybuilders, 12 showed significant amounts of, of, of calcium buildup in their arteries, which means that they were like a, a, a fast train heading for a wall. These guys, uh, unless they changed something or did something drastic, uh, 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 most of them would sooner or later get either a heart attack or a stroke that may or may not kill them. It depends on the extent of the damage. Uh, but every time you get a heart attack, which is medically called a myocardial infarction, some part of the heart is, is dead. It's a, it kills a portion of the cells in the heart. It's called necrosis. Uh, even though you could survive it, you've caused permanent heart damage. So you want to avoid that. Now, the best way to avoid <laughs> catastrophic offense, events uh, related to drug use is obvious common sense. You don't want to use those drugs or at least those dosages that are common today. Of course, this is going to fall on deaf ears. I mean, a lot of the uh, bodybuilders that compete today, they don't they don't care. I mean, you could tell them all kinds of things. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into politics or anything like that, but it's like similar to the vaccine situation where you could show people that are anti-vaxxers tons of evidence to show that the vaccines are safe and effective but their preconceived notions, their confirmation bias will close them off. They won't, they don't hear it. They will not listen or believe any type of evidence-based information. They're so, they're so firm in their belief, uh, that belief could also be fatal for them. But as far as bodybuilders go, I mean, you know, a lot of them won't listen, but those who are more intelligent, those who value their health, those who want to live, let's say, 
in years after their body blink competition ends should probably heed uh, some of the advice I'm giving in this in this video. And what I'm going to talk about is common blood tests that bodybuilders should undergo. And this doesn't just go for drug-using bodybuilders. This goes for any bodybuilder. Uh, you know, it's not that bodybuilding is inherently bad for your health, but it's good to check up on your general health because some of these things that, that show up in medical tests, you can't really feel. And they could be slowly causing damage in your body. Uh, you know, again, it, it, it's more so in drug-using bodybuilders, but can, it can happen in anybody. There could be genetic reasons, for example. You could be doing everything right and carry genetic time bombs in your body uh, that may not show up for a couple of years, but they, they could prove fatal. And by undergoing medical tests, you'll, you'll have a hedge against them and possibly be able to uh, undergo some therapy that will prevent, again, catastrophic effect, uh, effects. So let's discuss some of the more common, uh, let's say, preventative lab tests that every bodybuilder should consider, whether male or female. And also, this is especially important, again, for anyone who's uh, indulge, indulging in any type of uh, performance-enhancing drug, especially anabolic steroids, insulin, growth hormone. Uh, even if you're not taking the huge dosages, you should still undergo these tests. Uh, the, the, more, the greater the regime they're using as far as uh, dosage, if you're using very high dosage or if you're using more dangerous steroids, like Trenbolone, for example, Trenbolone uh, is a very popular steroid, um, uh, used to be sold as Parabolin, uh, but Trenbolone uh, has not been manufactured by any legitimate drug company in years. All of it is, uh, all of it is uh, what are they, what are they underground lab stuff. Uh, it's no, there's no guarantee of purity, there's no guarantee of, 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 uh, of uh, dosing. And worst of all, uh, Trenbolone has been shown in animal experiments that cause deleterious brain changes that can bring on horrible brain disease when you hit about maybe 60 years old, including Alzheimer's disease. Uh, you want to, uh, uh, if you're taking any of those kind of drugs, or again, large doses of steroids or, or growth hormone, insulin, that kind of thing, you want to undergo these tests more often. Uh, I, I would suggest, it might sound crazy, but... I think you should undergo these tests every four weeks, about every, well, maybe five weeks. Every four to five weeks, uh, bodybuilders, athletes on heavy drug regimes should undergo this blood testing. It will catch stuff early. It would prob probably very good chance of saving your life. So let's talk about some of these tests. Uh, first and foremost, you have the blood, what they call the CBC, the complete blood cell count. That mag it just tests, uh, it's a blood test, obviously. It tests uh, several components of the blood, such as erythrocytes, red blood cells, which carry oxygen, white blood cells related to immune function, uh, hemoglobin, uh, which is the oxygen-carrying uh, protein in the blood, hematocrit, which is the proportion of red blood cells to the fluid component. In other words, uh, hematocrit basically measures the thickness or viscosity of the blood, uh, and also blood platelets, which is related to clotting factors. Hematocrit is very important for bodybuilders to check. I'm not, not that the other blood tests are unimportant, but hematocrit is especially important because um, testosterone uh, and other steroids are known to increase the hematocrit. Uh, how they do this is uh, uh, it, it has to do with the testosterone blocking the activity of a certain protein that controls iron uptake in the body, and uh, testosterone kind of blocks that activity. 
So when you're on when you're on testosterone or especially high testosterone, doesn't even have to be high. It can happen during normal testosterone replacement therapy, which is relatively low doses of testosterone. And about 50% of men, the hematocrit goes up. More common in men over 40. Uh, uh, the, uh, and when that happens, the thickness of the blood and those elevated hematocrit uh, uh, usually above what they call maybe about 57 is the measure. If your hematocrit blood test shows a reading of 57 or more, you're at higher risk for uh, strokes and heart attacks because thicker blood means a greater tendency to internal blood clotting, and the blood clots that form could travel, become a thrombus. Uh, it could block an artery in your heart. It could block an artery in your brain, cause a heart attack or stroke. So you have to pay attention to hematocrit. The uh, usual treatment for elevated hematocrit is phlebotomy, which is the donation of blood. When you donate blood, of course, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're reducing immediately the uh, viscosity or the thickness of the blood or the hematocrit. So the hematocrit goes down. However, very few people know this, but there was a recent study that came out that showed that six months of aerobic exercise actually normalized elevated hematocrit in men on testosterone replacement therapy. And also, uh, in many cases, uh, the hematocrit automatically adjusts after a couple of months, even if it's elevated initially, it normally adjusts after a couple of months and comes down automatically. It doesn't happen all the time. Now, if you're taking uh, uh, large amounts of testosterone, uh, it might be a good idea to take a daily aspirin, a baby aspirin, 81 milligram aspirin. Aspirin works by inhibiting uh, the, the ag aggregation of platelets when platelets, uh, these elements in the blood, when they stick together or aggregate, they form a clot, and the aspirin will basically uh, keep your blood thinner. Uh, there's other possible natural ways, but I don't think they're that effective. That's about the most effective way. Uh, again, you know, this is called uh, uh, polycythemia when the blood gets too thick. Uh, you know, I, I actually, it's it's the uh, it's actually about 53. In other words, if your hematocrit is over 53, you want to take some measures right away, at least the aspirin. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you're feeling like headaches and symptoms, uh, let's say fatigue, you might consider phlebotomy. It'll speed it up. Or you could try and wait it out. You know, if you do aerobic exercise, within six, six months, the hematocrit will go back to normal. Another test is that what they call the CMP, which stands for Comprehensive Metabolic Panel. It consists of 14 blood tests it's that uh, it's basically initial screening for total overall health. Among these tests are a, ch are a ch chest for glucose. Uh, the blood glucose level, of course, is related to uh, many things, but most importantly, diabetes. If you have a uh, blood glu, if you have uh, you, if you have your blood test done under fasting conditions, and you show a, uh, a blood glucose level of over 100. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, it could be indicated, indicative of either pre-diabetes or insulin insensitivity, or if it's 126 and over, that's full-blown diabetes. And that, you'd have to have a test done for uh, hemoglobin A1C, which is a more definitive, uh, and that's usually included in, in some of these blood tests. It's a more definitive test for uh, long-term glucose control. Uh, hemoglobin A1C looks at your blue close, uh, blue cl blood glucose kind of levels over several months. 
and you want to look for a, a level that's below 5.6. If it's uh, over 5.7, 5.8, uh, usually, you, again, it's indicative of, of diabetes. You want to take measures. You want to probably uh, uh, maybe lose a lot of body fat, lose weight, adjust your diet, uh, go on a lower carbohydrate intake. Uh, this will help prevent uh, diabetes if any of these blood tests are abnormal. Uh, also, it's uh, you should know that uh, taking large amounts of growth hormone uh, basically uh, raises the blood glucose level so high that it looks like uh, it looked, uh, if you take a blood test, it'll look like you have full-blown diabetes, but it's basically because the uh, high levels of growth hormone interfere with insulin action. And of course, a lot of bodybuilders overcome this by taking insulin injections, which basically neutralizes the elevated blood glucose caused by growth hormone. Uh, uh, when you, uh, uh, by the way, some symptoms of uh, elevated hematocrit, as I said, include headaches, higher blood pressure, and, and again, the cardiovascular risk factors. Getting back to the comprehensive medical uh, panel, uh, it also tests for kidney function. Uh, the kidney function is also very important for bodybuilders on drugs because um, the uh, drugs, uh, the steroids, hit the kidneys pretty hard. Uh, you know, most of the time you hear about liver problems with steroids, but a lot of people don't know the, ster the steroids can hit the kidneys very hard. A lot of it has to do with elevated blood pressure that might occur when you're on taking a massive steroid program. Elevated blood, the kidneys themselves have a higher blood pressure than other organs in the body because the kidneys have to have a higher internal blood pressure to properly filter the blood. However, when you have overall systemic higher blood pressure, it adds to the normal elevated blood pressure in the kidney and when that happens, the great, the higher overall blood pressure starts to break down the filtering units of the kidney, the nephrons, and you could wind up having severe kidney disease, chronic kidney failure. You might even have to go on a uh, kidney dialysis, or you might uh, sometimes, um, unfortunately, have to have a kidney transplant if things really get bad. Uh, so uh, th there's a couple of cases where some bodybuilders had a, a genetic disease like Flex Wheeler is a, a good example. He had this genetic disease he didn't know about that basically put his kidneys at very great risk. Of course, when he took the drugs, it exacerbated the, the genetic abnormality he had, and eventually uh, Flex had to have a kidney transplant. So, you know, he didn't know he had it. However, you know, maybe if you take some of these kidney, I'm not sure if these kidney tests would even show that up. I think it would have to be some sort of imaging probably CAT scans or MRI to, to, to figure out the kind of genetic, let's say structural abnormality that, that Flex had. Uh, it, uh, it also happened to, uh, uh, oh God, I can't remember his name, uh, the guy who was Mr. USA who recently died, uh, his name escapes me at the moment, he recently died, he also had the same disease. And as a matter of fact, uh, that's one of the things that killed him because uh, the kidney problems came back very strong and wound up causing him his death uh, years after he stopped using steroids. But he had some earlier kidney damage. Uh, you have to also, very important again, is liver function test, what they call a liver panel. Measures various enzymes, AST, ALT, uh, several others. Uh, I'll talk about this in a second. But you should also be aware that uh, ALT and AST are liver enzymes, but they're also found in the heart and muscles. And a lot of doctors who aren't aware of that, who forgot their medical school biochemistry, 
if you come in and have a lab test and you show, let's say, an elevated ALT, they're going to think that you have liver problems, and they, they might even suggest having a liver biopsy. In 99 out of 100 cases, however, the elevated ALT is not coming from the liver. It's coming from the muscles because every time you work out, you damage your muscles a little bit. And when you damage muscles, this ALT and ASD, it's released into the blood. If you take a blood lab test within 48 hours after the workout, these enzymes are going to show up as elevated. And if a doctor doesn't know the difference, in other words, if he doesn't realize it's coming from muscle, again, he's going to think it's a liver problem. It suggests a liver biopsy, which is completely abnormal because uh, these enzymes, when they do get elevated from muscle damage, they never get elevated to the point that suggests liver damage. Uh, and the best way to really ascertain that is to compare, uh, the let's say, ALT, AST to the other liver uh, enzymes, which I'll talk about in a minute, uh, uh, you know, particularly one particular liver enzyme, which would be, a, uh, it's not affected by exercise, and it is a better indicator of true liver damage. Let's say if you've taken a lot of oral steroids, all oral steroids accumulate in the liver. That they, they, that's why they work. They're structured. Normally, when you take testosterone orally, the liver breaks it down right away in 40 minutes. But anabolic steroids, oral anabolic steroids, are structured to resist that breakdown. But they also, because of that, tend to accumulate in the liver. And they, they, they cause what they call chemical hepatitis, a swelling in the liver that impedes the bile ducts that, uh, that basically transport bile to the gallbladder. When that happens, the bile can overspill, cause symptoms like jaundice and destruction of hepatocytes, liver cells, which can lead to severe liver disease like liver cirrhosis and a worst case scenario, liver cancer. So, uh, so, so the, uh, what else there? The comprehensive, oh, electrolytes is also part of the comprehensive uh, medical panel. This is stuff like uh, potassium, magnesium, uh, of course, sodium. This is all important because uh, uh, a lot of times bodybuilders will go on certain diets where let's say they eliminate all their sodium uh, or let's say they, they are, they're taking certain drugs, for example, potassium re retaining drugs like spironolactone, aldactone, which actually causes retention of potassium. And if you take a potassium supplement on top of that, it can cause severe heart problems. So it's very important to measure these electrolytes. Bodybuilders have taken diuretics. Okay, there's been a couple of cases where they didn't undergo these lab tests. They took too many diuretics. It messed up their electrolytes so much that they wound up dying. Uh, they, they wound up dying of either kidney failure or heart disease, uh, heart failure, I should say. Of course, then you have the lipid panel. The lipid panel measures basically blood lipids or, or fats, such as low-density lipoprotein, high-density lipoprotein, and triglycerides. LDL uh, or low-density lipoprotein is often referred to as the bad cholesterol, which is a misnomer. It's not really bad. LDL cholesterol is the main transporter of cholesterol in the blood. LDL is what transports cholesterol to the in your blood to the testes, where the cholesterol is converted through several enzymatic reactions into testosterone. As a matter of fact, studies have shown that people with naturally higher testosterone levels almost always have slightly elevated LDL. Now, the normal normally doctors want to see your LDL at uh, 100 or less. Anything over 100 is considered a harbinger for possible cardiovascular disease. But the truth is, LDL is only bad when it's oxidized. Oxidized LDL. If you take certain nutrients, certain antioxidants, 
you could keep your LDL from being oxidized. And, you know, I'm not saying having it makes LDL harmless, but it certainly goes a long way to preventing, uh, as long as the LDL is not oxidized, it's not dangerous. That's that's the bottom line. Uh, and also there's, uh, there's uh, more sophisticated tests measure what they call particle size. For example, LDL, the large fluffy LDL is much less subject to oxidation than the small dense LDL. Uh, now, what, what stimulates large fluffy uh, LDL? It turns out eating fat. Eating fat stimulates fluffy or more protective LDL. Going on a low fat or no fat diet, and coupled with a high carbohydrate diet, stimulates small dense LDL. That's the dangerous one. That's the one highly prone to oxidation. LDL cholesterol, high-density lipoprotein, for years it's been considered protective against uh, heart disease, cardiovascular disease. LDL is like a garbage man. It, it, it gets it. It's mostly it's it's a it's made of mostly protein, and and it, it travel. It's made in the liver. It travels in the blood, latches on to excess cholesterol, carries it back to the liver. It's called a, uh, in medicine. It's called reverse transport. Carries it back to the liver where the cholesterol is degraded into bile and then excreted. This is the only way the, bi the body can get rid of excess cholesterol. Cholesterol, unlike fat, cannot be burned. It don't, this is the only way the body can get rid of it. Now, there's a lot of myths about LDL, but the way to bring out, uh, well, I should also point out in relation to drugs, unfortunately, uh, steroids, especially oral steroids, are very famous for lowering your LDL to almost untraceable levels. This is very bad because, uh, you know, it, it opens up the door to heart disease, especially if accompanied by an elevated LDL. And that's usually the metabolic picture of a person on high-dose oral steroids. Elevated LDL, low LHDL. Now, again, uh, if your total cholesterol is also low, which it usually is in bodybuilders because of their training and diet, kind of neutralizes some of the effect, but not completely. The good news uh, is that these, these LDL and LDL, these abnormal lipid values that occur when you're on steroids, when you get off them, they revert back to normal. That's the good news. It's not a permanent effect. Triglycerides used to be considered not that dangerous, but now they know that triglycerides are basically a precursor for, for the production of low-density lipoprotein. So triglycerides are important to measure. Also, again, they should be below 100. Uh, what raises triglycerides? Two things mainly, alcohol, excess alcohol intake, excess sugar intake. What lowers it? Exercise, not smoking, fish oil. Omega-3 fatty acids can lower elevated triglycerides anywhere from 40 to 60% without using any type of pharmaceutical drug. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, uh, high-dose testosterone and anabolic steroids increase LDL, decrease and decrease HDL and triglycerides. I mentioned earlier the kidney tests. Uh, the usual kidney test is what they call the estimated glomerular, glomerular filtration rate, EGFR. You'll see it on the blood test. This measures the ability of the kidneys to filter the blood. Uh, I believe the, the cutoff point is uh, 60. If you have a, a reading above 60, if I remember correctly, the higher the reading, the better. In other words, if, you're, if your EGF is lower than 60, you're probably heading for, for uh, kidney disease. Uh, however, uh, it's not a kind of super specific value. If you really want to know, uh, people have come to me and have been worried about having, because they show elevated 
EGF levels. Now, if you're dehydrated, for example, bodybuilders taking diuretics, if you don't drink enough fluid, you can have an artificially lowered EGF. And it looks like you have kidney disease, but you don't. It's because you're dehydrated. If you really want to know if you're having kidney problems, you have to have another test done, which is the most accurate way, especially for guys on drugs. It's called cystatin C. Cystatin C will tell you your true kidney function. So if you uh, if you have any, uh, there's another one called creatine, uh, creatine clearance rate, uh, which is a measure of, of uh, the, uh, uh, the excretion of creatinine, which is the uh, byproduct of creatine metabolism. That remains usually stable. However, if you have that test done, let's say two days after you start a creatine load, taking 30 grams of creatine, it might be falsely elevated again, making a doctor who's not familiar with nutrition, he'll suggest that you're uh, you're heading for kidney failure. So you gotta be careful because it's completely, it, it's not really dangerous. And if you're not sure, get to cystatin C and you will know. Now I mentioned the liver tests, uh, you know, ALTAST, they're not really definitive as far as showing liver problems. If you wanna know a more definitive enzyme, liver enzyme, you, you, get, you look at a test called gamma glutamyl transpeptidase that's found in liver cells. And again, it changes when you have liver, when you have liver problems. Um, there's another test called alkaline phosphatase. The, the ratio between alkaline phosphatase and GGT can tell you, give you a true picture of whether you're having uh, uh, liver damage from the steroids which can lead to, again, chemical hepatitis, cirrhosis, tumors, or, or even possibly pancreatic cancer. So, uh, you know, this is an early warning sign, uh, especially for those taking large amounts of oral steroids. If you go to, uh, you have a blood test, and, you know, your liver enzymes, especially uh, GG, GGT and alkaline phosphatase, if they're elevated, that means your liver is under severe stress. My suggestion would be to get off oral steroids immediately. Get off them because you're, you're, you're definitely hurting your liver. And if you stay on them extended times, you could wind up with liver failure. Of course, there's total testosterone. You know, that's just standard, of course. You, you wanna, when you're taking steroids or, or when you're taking testosterone replacement therapy, your testosterone is either gonna be in mid-normal or elevated. If you're taking large amounts of anabolic steroids, it'll be above the, uh, above the range. The range is like 300 to 1,000. Your testosterone will be so high, it'll be above the range. Uh, you know, the total, it has an upper limit of usually between 1,000 and 1,500 nanograms per deciliter of blood. Uh, so, um, you know, again, they say that having elevated testosterone above the normal range, it's kind of unknown territory. They think it could, could be dangerous for health in the long run. Uh, it's best for health to keep your testosterone in the midpoint to, to, to the, uh, the high range as long as it's within the normal range. So high range normal would be something like 800. If you have an, eight, if you have an 800 uh, uh, testosterone level, that's great for building muscle. You don't need any testosterone replacement therapy. Uh, there's a couple of other, drug, uh, other hormone tests you might wanna look at, what they call high sensitivity estrogen. That's important to somebody who's taking testosterone because uh, about 8% of testosterone is converted into estrogen through the action of the aromatase enzyme. Uh, it's a big controversy with estrogen uh, tests, but you know, the ultra-sensitive uh, estradiol tests because um, they used to think that uh, if you had a, a, a estrogen level of over 30, uh, it was considered high. 
and you know then they would put you on let's say anti-aromatase drugs like aramidix but we now know that having slightly higher uh, estrogen levels even up to 60 65 is not dangerous it's not causing any problems uh, if you go to a doctor uh, uh, and you know he tests he tests your high sensitive estrogen and let's say you show up 35 he wants to put you on an aromatase blocker my suggestion is don't do it because you, you, you need a certain amount of estrogen for health. Uh, recent studies show that uh, estrogen also is important for the activity of satellite cells, uh, which are, are uh, uh, muscle stem cells uh, heavily involved in muscle repair and growth. So you never want to cut estrogen down. When you take aromatase blockers, you cut as much as 90% of your estrogen off. So uh, I also suggest taking tests for uh, DHT which is dehydrotestosterone, a, a major byproduct of testosterone metabolism. DHT is actually more active than testosterone at the androgen receptor in all tissues except for muscle. And muscle DHT is uh, rapidly broken down by enzymes. But DHT, elevated DHT, is associated with such effects as male pattern baldness, possible prostate problems, and acne. So you want to know your, uh, your uh, DHT. Another test for bodybuilders would possibly be prolactin. Prolactin is especially affected by growth, heavy growth hormone use. Uh, and uh, the problem with prolactin is uh, elevated prolactin can cause gynecomastia, male breast formation, just like estrogen. And it also can cause erectile dysfunction, you know, where you just, you know, it's pretty bad. It's also, if you're taking a growth hormone, you also want to know your IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor test. It's produced by the liver. And uh, if you have low IGF-1, It'll impede muscle growth. However, uh, people that work out regularly almost never have low IGF-1, whether, whether they're on steroids or not. As a matter of fact, IGF-1, one of the great things it does is as you get older, it maintains connective tissue, it maintains muscle, and, it, and helps to maintain the neurons in your brain. This is one of the great things about exercise. If you exercise, uh, and also if you take a little bit of DHEA as a supplement, DHEA, you'll maintain pretty good IGF-1 levels without taking any other drugs. It'll kind of keep you a little bit younger. Uh, you also want to look at ferritin, which is a test. Uh, it's a protein storing iron. Uh, and uh, and, and uh, if you have low levels of ferritin, it leads to anemia. And uh, and uh, you, you, you want to make, it's a good measure of, of your iron intake. Uh, testosterone has been shown to decrease ferritin. Uh, and uh, so that, that, uh, also I, I suggest vitamin D. Uh, vitamin D uh, uh, is a uh, kind of out of the road test. They don't usually do it in most blood panels, but I think it's very important because unless you're taking supplemental vitamin D, there's a good chance you won't be uh, showing optimized blood levels. The test for vitamin D is called 25-hydroxycholacolciferol, and, and the minimal uh, uh, value should be 30. The ideal values are between 60 and 65. So if you have a, a value of 30 or less, uh, well, I should say less than 30, you want to take vitamin D supplements. Start out with about, if you're deficient in vitamin D, you want to start with about at least 5,000 units a day. And uh, let me see, what else can I th say about uh, uh, lab tests? I think that about covers it. But, uh, oh, you know, as far as the um, really heavy steroid users, this only applies to them, the heavy steroid and growth hormone use. I strongly suggest uh, going a little bit beyond these, these basic tests. 
having what they used to call the Berkeley Heart Tests. These are a series of off-the-road cardiac tests, such as coronary calcium, as I mentioned earlier, uh, 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 what they call lipoprotein small a, uh, uh, homocysteine, uh, there's a couple of others. These things give you the most accurate picture of how you stand from a cardiovascular, oh yeah, also particle size, HDL particle size, LDL particle size. These tests, they're a little bit, you know, they're, I, I, I'm not sure how they are, a little more expensive, but you know, they literally can save your life because they will detect most 99% of, of cardiac events, and stro including strokes, heart attacks and strokes, before they happen. So if you're a heavy steroid user, I'd recommend the Berkeley Heart Test. You don't have to have them as often. You don't have to have them every four weeks. But I'd suggest uh, if, you're, uh, if you stay in a steroid cycle more than two months, I would suggest at least every, every two months to have the uh, Berkeley, what they call the Berkeley Heart Test. You can look it up online to see what they consist of and, and which labs offer them. So that's about it uh, for this uh, video. I, uh, if you want more information on nutrition, exercise, science, uh, 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 fat loss techniques that really work, anti-aging research you can use today, supplement science, which ones work, which ones don't, ergogenic aids, hormonal therapy, women's health and fitness, all of this is covered in my monthly Applied Metabolics newsletter, www.appliedmetabolics.com, uh, and uh, it's 30 to 50 pages every month, no ads, not associated with any supplement company. When you subscribe, they'll send you an invitation to join my private Applied Metabolics Facebook page where each day I, I post new information on exercise science, medicine, and general health. I also have an email portal on my Applied Metabolics webpage where current subscribers only can send me short questions they have, uh, anything they might have read in my Applied Metabolics or anything else that comes to mind. It's only for subscribers. I won't answer questions from uh, unsolicited, you know, you know non-subscribers. Uh, you know, and that's about it. So, uh, again, www.appliedmetabolics.com. Uh, if you want to have the best friend you'll ever have, go to your local shelter, adopt a dog. Thank you for listening. Yeah.